Podcast. I'm your host Ian, and with me today is Courtney, as always. And we're going to be talking about a couple different things this week. We'll basically, talk about the end of The Last of Us uh, season one, a finale that just aired. Talk about the couple, first couple episodes of Mandalorian, and there's a couple game releases that came out that uh, we might talk about if we still have some time after that as well. So let's just jump right into it right now. Uh, Last of Us just finished its first season uh, on Sunday. Uh, was what episode nine? nine. Yeah, yep. nine episodes for the season. Um, now the game itself typically takes about fifteen hours to beat, depending on how good you are in the combat, I guess. Um, or how fast you can rush through the combat yeah. too. <laughs> so it ends up with uh, a fifteen-hour game gets boiled down to a nine-hour TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, which they did add a bunch of stuff to, within the show, uh, like episode three, which was a very pivotal episode, which we already talked about, uh, did not happen in the game. At least, definitely not the way they do it in the TV show. And the stuff in Kansas City that happened in the TV show didn't exactly happen in the game either. Um, so, like, the last episode, it seems uh, I've seen a few people's kind of, like, first gut reaction or critique to it is that it seemed like it went really, really fast to wrap up the story. Um, which I guess I don't think I, I guess it's kind of on par with the game, but I mean, the game you're playing for 15 hours or more already by that point, it doesn't feel like it got wrapped up really quickly. Yeah. Um, but in a nine hour show, I can see I was like, it jumped from one episode of finding off bandits to, okay, they found the facility in Salt Lake city, which was kind of like a hail Mary. Like I didn't really know it was there. Yeah. To thinking to the end of the story here um what's unique about this episode though it does start off with uh ellie's birth um and marlene um witnessing it and then taking care of her and we kind of figure out how she's immune like her mother was bit while giving birth to her and her mother supposedly cut the cord soon after she got bit um which probably is what led to her being immune uh to it and they kind of explain exactly what it is, even though, like, we don't get to see them do the actual scientific research on L.A., I, which kind of makes Which it, you don't see in the game either. Yeah, which kind of justifies why Joel does what he does. Um, but I feel like the whole Marlene opening there and Ellie's birth could have been a whole episode by itself. I, I agree with that and kind of give more uh, Marlene's story as well, which would have... I think been a little bit more compelling at the end when her and Joel are down in the garage facing each other off basically for Ellie's life. Um, but it, it was still a good episode and still a great series. It just, uh, as far as, uh, uh, shows go, I think they could have done another episode and it, wouldn't have felt like it dragged or was unnecessary. Yeah, I feel like you could have done another episode with just uh, Marlene and Ellie's mother's relationship because it would have been a nice parallel to Ellie's relationship with uh, the girl in the mall. 
can't remember her name. Riley. Riley, okay. With Riley and Ellie's relationship, it would have been a nice parallel to see her mother and Marlene have that same type of kind of relationship. And then the heartbreak of Marlene having to kill her mother because she's going to turn and that she promised to take care of uh, Ellie. Um, not knowing at the time whether or not she was immune or not. Uh, I think Marlene had an inkling of it, but it wasn't until she got actually bitten. And that's why Marlene had mm-hmm. Ellie locked up when we first meet her. And they're asking her, they're doing like basically standard medical tests like, what's your name? Hand, hold out your hand, do this, 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 to make sure she was still okay. Because that's when they got confirmation that for sure she was definitely immune. Yeah. Um, the weird thing is, is that like their solution to cure the plague or to cure this situation is that they've somehow figured out that Ellie is infected. That's why she serves up red, but she's immune to it because the cordyceps that are growing in her aren't taking over her body and they're sending, they're mutated. They're mutated and they're not taking over her body. They're, they're basically sending out a chemical um, response that, Hey, I'm one of you don't attack. So that's, but, that explanation kind of doesn't fit because she's been attacked. Yeah. So it's like, it's just, it's just that. It's just that. Uh, don't grow anymore, or don't let take over. Yeah, the like body. He, like it no longer needs to infect because I'm already infected. Basically, the way they explain it, make it sound like she shouldn't be able to get attacked, but no, she does get. She's been attacked before and multiple times. And multiple times. So if the way they explained it was kind of wrong, they should explain it as in, hey, she's infected. So when she gets bit. It's already sending out the response that, hey, I'm already here, so don't bother doing anything. And then the infection doesn't bother to grow because she's already has it. Versus it saying that, hey, I'm one of you. Because that's exactly how they word it. Like, it sends that chemical response saying, hey, I'm, all, I'm one of you. Don't do anything. Which would be more obvious if, like, infected just avoided her completely. But they don't. Yeah. They still go after her like normal. It, yeah. So that doesn't affect anything. It's just, if you're a bit... You're going to be fine. Yeah. You just have a gnarly-ass scar. But what they want to do is take... She tell, explains to Joel that they're going to... Because basically, they get captured and get knocked out, knocked out, and they wake up in the hospital. And uh, she basically explains to Joel that, hey, we're going to... The doctor needs to take the corceps that are in her and then multiple, <laughs> uh, duplicate them and then give them to everybody else. But corceps only grow in the brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, since she's not like fully infected and has like you know parts growing out of her or like the shit coming out of her mouth like everyone like all the other infected yeah they'd have to do brain surgery to get uh the sample to duplicate which means they basically would end up having to kill her yeah they just have to kill the host so deal with that joel yeah Thanks, so bye. a lot of people's reaction of hey that was very abrupt and it seemed very weird that like it went to um I saw another article or a headline like Last of Us F, a first person shooter mode or something because basically he gets that information, they they try to escort him out and he makes the decision like, no, that's not going to happen and then just murders everybody. Yeah. But what I wish they would have added was like at least a voiceover or memory of him reading the letter from Bill that said, hey, you're here just to save one person and if even if you can't save... Uh, and he... Bill... I had addressed it to being it being test, but that's not the case because Joel always has already failed to save his daughter, failed to save Tess, and is about to fail to save Ellie. And we also learned in this episode that he's also failed to kill himself. So like Yeah, that was a big 
shocker in this episode was Joel tried to commit suicide right after, well, not a uh, day or two after Sarah uh, was killed. Yeah, because he, which is on a show, he didn't save his daughter. And like, yeah, like your daughter died in your arms. You couldn't save her. It's a very understanding reaction from an apparent. Yeah. And. The fact that, like, you look at Joel's life, right? He didn't save his daughter. He didn't save Tess. He couldn't save his brother because his brother left mm-hmm. and didn't bother to get back to him that he was okay. Even though we find out that his brother is safe and safe sound. And, sur- and thriving. But, like, <laughs> but to Joel's point, it's another failure, right? Like, he lost his daughter. He lost his brother. He lost Tess. He has uh, now finally kind of, like, him and Elliot finally opened up to each other where... They both have to understand, like, what their relationship is, even though they can't really say it out loud to each other. Yeah. But that understanding is there. And then to be told, okay, well, we're going to save the world, but you have to kill this girl. He makes the conscious decision, like, no, I got to save at least one person. So he decides to save Ellie. He wipes out all the fireflies in the facility. Um, <laughs> a very poignant point, which will come up basically in season two, but we'll talk about it here as well, is that... Uh, when he gets to the operating room, um, the doctor uh, in there, he tells, like, hey, unhook her and all that stuff. Says, hey, I can't let you take her. He puts a bullet in his head immediately. Just instant. And no hesitation. Takes Ellie and leaves. And then that's where he's confronted by Marlene in the basement, which I find is really interesting because here's the two characters who both care about Ellie almost in the same fashion, but they both have come to a different conclusions of the same problem where – Marlene says, hey, I promised her mother I'd take care of her, I'd save her, but I've decided that her life is worth sacrificing to save the world. Ellie's kind of, ma- I don't know, Ellie hasn't made that decision f- with all the information. She's made the decision that she wanted to see it through to try and make a cure. Um, but she doesn't know what the costs were because the Fireflies didn't tell her what they had to do. Yeah, even when they put her under at that point in time, she didn't know that she was going to yeah, to die. They didn't tell, explain everything to her, so she didn't make a make a fully competent decision on herself. I I feel like. Yeah. Um. And Joel's gotten that information and has decided, yeah, I'm gonna save Ellie. Killing her is not worth losing her is not worth trying to save humanity when. It's not going to prove a hundred percent. We not, don't know that it would even the, work. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that it's like you don't see the science behind it, and we don't, and all we know is that. Hey, they're walking around St. Louis looking for this hospital. They get captured, wake up in the hospital, and they're told, okay, we're going to do this. You mean Salt Lake City? Salt Lake City, yeah. And they, and they wake up and just told, okay, yeah, this is what we're going to do. Our doctors decided that this is the right course to go. And it's like, well, your doctors haven't studied Ellie. Nobody's had Ellie under observation, under medical devices, x-rayed her, MRI her, or seen where, where anything is. Yeah, tested her blood and like everything else like who knows maybe her skin gives off like little pores and that's why it shows up on the detector or something yeah like so we don't know what tests that they've done or if they've done any and we can only assume the short amount of time from being knocked out in midday to waking up in early afternoon that not enough research has been done to come to convince joel or even me as a matter like that's the proper course of action yeah but especially when like oh well we didn't tell her any of this when we put her under She's being prepped for surgery. It's like, whoa, what do you mean? You didn't explain to her that, hey, you're going to die. Like, that's something that Ellie should at least have known. But basically, then he, like say, they get to the standoff in, underneath the garage, which says very interesting to see their, both their point of views and understand it. 
and Joel shoots Marlene, puts Ellie in the car, uh, and then goes back as Marlene's begging, like, hey, let me live, let me live. He says, now you're just going to come find her and just puts a bullet in her head, cold-bloodedly. Like, this is the most cold-blooded we've ever seen Joel be. In this series. In this series, yeah. In the game, you do see him a little bit more cold-blooded. Well, that's because in the game, you're fighting... You're fighting, like, every five minutes. Yeah, the gameplay loop has you fighting way more infected than you see in this show. You're fighting way more raiders and other human beings constantly. Mm -hmm. So Joel's constantly murdering Being a badass. Honestly, the gameplay loop in the game is very close to Manhunt, which was like a very controversial mm-hmm. game where you're a murderer fucking choking people out and killing them and stabbing them with shoes the most horrendous way. But it's wrapped in the story of, a zo- of not a zombie apocalypse, but this infection impo- apocalypse rolls over. People are horrible. It's okay that Joel's doing that. <clears throat> Whereas here, he is killing innocent doctors and nurses and, nurses and uh, freedom fighters just to save one person then we get to the real controversial part which was very controversial with the game as well is at the very end uh ellie they get back to uh just the outskirts of tommy's town they're going to go there and settle down ellie flat out asks or tells joel to hey swear to me what you told me what happened is actually happened because joel lied to her and said oh there were hunt or dozens of kids just like you. It didn't work, and raiders came in and attacked, and I barely got you out of there. That's why you're in a dressing gown. And yeah, he basically lied to her. Rushed. He consciously lied to her about what happened, saying that, um, like just like you said, like raiders showed up. There's tons of people who are not who are immune, like she is, so she doesn't have to worry about the responsibility of saving the world to being on her shoulders. He takes a very selfish act of like, no, I've saved this girl's life because I care about her, and I'm gonna adopt her as being my my new like surrogate daughter, and took the selfish route there, and then never tells her the truth, and the truth never comes to light to her. No, um, even when she flat out asks him like, tell me like. Yeah, the thing is, is that like, even in the game during that conversation and in the sh- show, that I think I captured perfectly where it's like. You know Ellie knows something's up and knows that he's lying. Oh, she knows that he's lying. But she accepts that if he's going to swear to me that this is what's happening, I'm going to accept that as the truth and she's going to let that lie as it does. Yeah. And then as soon as she says okay and agrees that, all right, cool, you swear to me, it, it cuts ends. to black and it's over. I, I like that. It's just okay and and, I think, that, I, think and it, I think it works well for the ending for season one. Yeah, I think it's, it's very appropriate for it because that's exactly how the game is too. It's like, all right, game's over, done. Now, this is where, like we've mentioned before, and we'll talk more about our theories of Season 2, since they're going to do Last of Us Part 2 as Season 2, I don't think that's going to be as good as a TV show, because even as abrupt as this was, where like this nine episodes probably should have been at least 13 or more, just because TV shows used to be used to be 12 to 13 or even up to 24 episodes a season. Now they're being cut down so short in this way they're doing streaming stuff. Um, it's almost too short. Mm-hmm. Where they could obviously stretch this one out a little bit with a little bit more backstory on a few characters like we mentioned. But... And also develop a little bit more of Joel and Ellie's relationship. Yeah. And... Especially that three-month gap of when they were traveling into Wyoming. And also had a little bit more there and a little bit more tension. And I also think like after taking care of the candles, like there should have been something to give them a better lead of where the Fireflies were. Mm-hmm. Because they really didn't have any idea. 
after going to Colorado. So they, sh- I feel like they should have fleshed that out more, but they, for time constraints, they cut that out and just jumped to the ending. So like, yes, the last episode feels like it's very abrupt. I feel like that's how the last episode should be. There probably should have been an episode between this one and the last and last one. Um, but as we go to season two, the whole thing that drives this first season forward is the fact that, all right, the whole point is to get Ellie, Ellie to this from point A to point B because we're going to cure the world, right? Mm-hmm. And then you find out the cost for the cure of the world is too much to pay. So you decide that, no, you come down to the constant decision you always have in these types of stories is that do you do the selfish thing and fuck humanity or do you do the selfless thing and save humanity? Um, and after look. Honestly, if you took a long look at the world as it is, humanity's probably not worth saving because look how many people turn to raiding and get consumed by all their pettiness and revenge and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So that the second game is not about trying to save the world. The Fireflies hunting down Ellie to try and get her so that they can get a cure it is a complete revenge plot that comes up from a, the the daughter the daughter of the doctor that he shot in the operating room. Her, and you understand that from her point of view, yes, her father and her parents were murdered. Uh, well, it's just her father was murdered. I think in the game, though, her, her mom's like the, one of the one of the nurses there. So, like, in the game, I think he ends up killing everybody in that room, not just, like, they let him well, go. Well, in the game, you choose whether yeah. or not to kill everyone in the room. But I think in the recap for part two is that her parents were killed by Joel when he got took Ellie out. So she, this girl beefs up and is consumed by revenge and goes out. And comes after uh, Joel and Ellie. And it's not a, it's not another fifteen to twenty hour game of Joel and Ellie running away from this girl. It's she comes, she gets her revenge, and now Ellie's in the situation where does Ellie want to get revenge on this person? And is she going to sacrifice everything, much like the gal in Kansas City, who sacrificed her entire group of people over petty revenge yeah. to, after her brother? That's the interesting thing about that whole. Scenario was that it was very, sh- and it was great because it was short, it was quick to the point, and you got the message. Whole all of season two is going to be that that same, same story, story of like, and it's like, well, we've seen it already, and we've seen it play out, and we know what's going to happen. So I think I'm thing, too excited. They're for going to two. emphasize more on the things in, the, in part two, which is like, hey, Ellie has technically like a wife; they're about to have a kid. And well, they do have a kid. Yeah, they do have a kid, and the fact that she's going to lose her entire family over this concept of revenge. Because um, even I, the wife tells her, you do this, I'm leaving. And what does she do? She goes, uh, doesn't quite get her revenge, comes back, wife is true to her word, so bravo on you, girl, yeah, I don't and know leaves. In the game, if you're given the option to kill the other girl or not. No. <laughs> so you don't, so she just doesn't get her. So, because that's the other controversial thing you about... Ways after a big old fight. Yeah, so like, it's, uh, it's well, that's the controversial thing about these games is that at the end of the first game, and at, and even with uh, the second game, they instead of being an interactive experience where a player has agency to make choice, you no longer have the choice. You're not given the choice not to save Ellie at the end of The Last of Us. You just have to. That's a lot of uh, kill every... Naughty Dog games, though. Is you're just along for the ride. Uh, I would not say that with the Drake and for- Drake series. The Drake series is more like well, a regular this act- series. It is. action adventure. Game. That's why this, these games are controversial because 
the ending choices in the game, as controversial as they could be, whether you agree or not, you're not given the choice as a player to make that decision. Mm-hmm. And they like most games would say, all right, do you want to do this or do this and give you two different endings? And then you'd be able to look up the analytics of how many people chose this versus this. They said, no, this is how the story is going to be. Joel's going to kill everybody, and he's going to save Ellie, and he's going to lie to her, and he's going to be self- do one selfish thing for himself finally. Um, and we feel like he, he's possibly earned that. At the end of the second one, you they basically make it so, okay, Ellie's learned the lesson that this isn't worth revenge, doesn't kill the girl, and then goes back and realizes she still lost everything, and then end the game. It's just that this turns into The Walking Dead, where it's just a bunch of people wandering around the apocalyptic world. Being assholes. Dealing with other people who are assholes. And then Ellie, having Ellie go through that journey just makes her no longer a good protagonist. She's just like everybody else, mm-hmm. which then you're, you kind of stop caring about her consequences of her actions. Yeah. So that's why I feel like they should have stretched out season one longer to make more money with it. And then, like, not bother doing season two. But they're going to do it because whether they're going to the contract or that's the money with it, and people will probably watch it. I'm not – I don't think it's going to be that great. Uh, I'll probably watch it in the first episode because they'll do the most shocking thing there. And then if they do what the game does, they really will lose viewers because the game literally stops playing from the point of view of Ellie. And then you go to a flashback to the girl who who hunts them down for revenge. And you there's literally a 10-hour stretch of game – where you're playing as that character, just so you get, they want you to get the point of view of why she wants to go and, and try and kill Ellie and Joel. Just Joel. Well, yeah, she wants to go after Joel um, specifically, and, the, and they will put, make you play her for 10 hours so that you understand her motivation and sympathize with her. But the whole time it was like, I want to play as Ellie, what the fuck? So like nobody really bought into it, nobody cared. And then that game got wrapped up in uh, tra- and gender politics, which became a big mess and blindsided like what the real issue with the game was. Is that it's not as good as a compelling story because zombie apocalypse or apocalyptic movies movies are good stories when like the driving plot, even if it's not the main point, like here, is that hey we might have a chance to save the world if we do this or return things back to normal if we do this, mm-hmm. even though they're encountering a, bu- encountering a bunch of other stuff and they're maybe telling a different story. It's that underlining threat plot that pushes things forward. When you don't have that, then it's, like we said, it's just going to be a story of shitty people being shitty to each other. We already know that people are shitty, and in the apocalypse, people are going to be even shittier to each other. That's exactly how it's going to be. So what's the point of the story? Um yeah. So we'll see what they end up doing with it, but I mean, I don't have high hopes for season two. I think this ended fairly well. I would have liked them to stretch it out a little bit more, uh, at least to 12 episodes instead of just nine. I could have just, even 10 would have been great. Yeah. I mean, having that extra episode of uh, Marlene and Ellie's mother's relationship would have been really good. Um, Some of the call outs that people uh, who are fans of the game would notice is that Ellie's mother is played by the voice actor who voice acted Ellie. Yeah. Um... And that the sequence in the hospital is very, very close to what it looks like in the game. Uh, very much like some of the sequences in the very first episode of them driving through uh, Austin while the infection was actually was taking over. That was almost shot for shot, just like the game. This yeah, is almost this shot is for nice shot. Bookends yeah, for this series. For the game. So, um, really good first season. We'll see what they do with season two. I'm not a fan of the, of the second game. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see if people actually end up liking it or not. Um, but we'll just have to go from there. 
Now, the other uh, big show that came out uh, a couple weeks ago uh, started was The Mandalorian. Yep. Uh, we get to, uh, was this season three? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, season three, because Book of Boba Fett was Mandalorian season 2.5 five, basically, yeah. Um, <laughs> what's interesting about this is I think there's been a misquote that everybody's been freaking out on, and I don't th- and I think... I think John Favreau is probably fed up enough with Hollywood and the press and stuff to not bother to go correct, correct anybody. But basically, he was in an interview. He said, "Yeah, it's been two years since we've seen Grogu. Um, now it's back. Now we're going to be back and doing the Mandalorian uh, season." And everybody took that as, "Oh, Grogu's been training with Luke for two years." And it's like no. it does not feel like two years in this show at all, and it doesn't feel like. Groku's been doing any training with Luke, considering Luke basically gave him a few little meditation trainings and then gave him the ultimatum of choose the armor or the lightsaber and get the fuck out if you don't choose the lightsaber. Yeah. Um, which I'm fine I'm fine with that whole, how that all, all plays out because, like, Luke needs to be portrayed as a shitty teacher because that's what he, he is. He is a, a shitty, shitty teacher. teacher. He's not good at teaching any of the concepts of the Jedi because he never was a real Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um... So I don't think this takes two years after he left, I think. I think it's like a few months between Boba Fett and... At most, maybe six months. Yeah. And season three. But yeah, it's not two years by any stretch of the imagination. Um, there seems to be a few, a little bit of pacing stuff with the few episodes that have been out. Um, because basically we're starting right off where he left off, which was, hey, he's been... He's admitted he's taken off his helmet. He's no longer considered a Mandalore unless he bathes. It's in part the, of Mandalore. He has to bathe in the pool pools underneath the mines of Mandalore. But Mandalore is a poison glassed planet, basically, so it doesn't exist anymore to everybody's belief. His mission is to go there, bathe in the pools, redeem himself, and then take his place back as a, uh, with his tribe as a Mandalore um, or, or Mandalorian. Um, but... There's weird, weird choices here, right? So we go back to the outpost town that is, uh, where he was picking up bounties. Well, in the very first, first we go to um, the armor lady who's... Because he shows her, like, oh, look, people have been to Mandalore. Yeah. And it must be somewhat habitable because someone took a piece of... Which we never see when that happens. We don't know where he got this artifact so who knows? from. But basically, she says, yeah, go there, and if you can prove that you've bathed in the pools, then you'll be redeemed. So go take a selfie, is basically so, what she's telling him. But first, we go back to the outpost where he was getting bounties, which has now become a more reputable town under uh, Carl Weathers. I don't remember the character, I just know the actor. Carl, 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 Carl Weathers is now the magistrate of the town. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the chick who was with him in the first season, who got kicked off the show for all for her tweets and whatnot. Um, they just say, hey, she got picked up by the military and she got recruited and left. <laughs> so he offers Mandalore to be like the standing like sheriff of the of the region uh, since it's growing so much. But Mandalore's only there to get IG get the IG eighty eight unit so that he can That's now a statue. <laughs> that's now a statue so that he can reactivate him and have him do atmospheric tests to make sure Mandalore is not poisoned, but like, mm-hmm. and he's very, uh, very persistent that he has to have this droid, and that he can't get that droid, so then th- they abandon well, that completely. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> like he gets a quest 
to go find the memory chip or not memory chip, but like find um, the missing part that they would need to fix them. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so we're going to go on an adventure to find this part. Very accident episode. Nope, we're not going to do that. We're going to abandon this quest line. Just pick up a random droid from the lady who sold us. Tatooine, yeah. Yeah, who sold us this uh, new uh, plane and just go to Mandalore. Yeah, I think the kick there is that it's Red 5. He's probably been in some of the other Star Wars movies or whatnot. But yeah, it's it's really weird that it's like, oh, I absolutely have to have this IG-88. You have to have and half that. And then abandons it. And then finds out, oh, I can't get that part. Okay, that's fine. I'll take this other droid. Stupid. It's stupid. And then Amelia goes to Bo-Katan, who's on an, in her castle and some other plant in the Mandalorian's uh, Pouting, si- eating system. ice cream on her throne. Yeah, she's sitting there on her throne, pouting in an empty castle because since she didn't come back with the dark saber, all her people left her. Which I'm like, well, that's weird. Were you just sitting here waiting for people to show up? Is that what you do all day? You don't do anything? Um, so she's just sitting there. To tell him that, like, hey, Mandalore's poison, you can't go back or whatnot. Or give, and then he insists that he can, and then she gives him an idea of where to go. So then they take off, go to Mandalore, find out that they can actually do stuff there. Uh, he gets captured. He basically gets captured by some type of half creature, half droid thing that's living in the in the undercroft of, of the cities in the sewers or whatnot. Um, so Groku has to basically go back to the ship. Fly back to Bo-Katan, get her to come back and save his ass, which is what she, what they do. Um, but the funny thing is, is like this whole time, like he's teaching Grogu, like, hey, you have to be able to navigate the stars, and showing him on the map, on the star charts, like where Bo-Katan is, where they are, where Mandalore is, teaching him stuff. But the only reason he gets back to her is because the Red Five unit that they uh, picked up since he couldn't get IG eighty eight, droid working. Uh, they specifically say, oh, well, I can autopilot and pilot the ship for you, too, if you need to. Yeah. So, like, basically, Groku gets in and says, hey, droid, take me here, and the droid takes him yeah. back, back to Bo-Katan. Um, <laughs> so, it's kind of weird, because it's not like Groku learned any of the skills of how to fly the ship. He just know, knew how to read the map and tell the droid where to go. It's like, go here. And it wasn't even like he punched in the coordinates, he just, like, looked at the droid and made weird sounds. And, made weird sounds and pointed, pointed at the moon, and droid went all right whatever yeah the droid took him there so like there's some weird choices here that's like you're you're shortcutting really? some stuff or why would you even bother going here you just went there just so we can get a follow-up on what happened to those characters yeah we could have up on carl weathers because we, we could have followed up with them a lot better yeah. through other means um even if it was just hey i need to get this part to get this ig88 unit so it could do this specific feature thing <clears throat> well, that specific thing wasn't like isolated to IG-88 units. It's something all droids could do. So yeah. that's why he got convinced. Just take this Red 5 unit and it'll do what you needed to do. Um, it did. And it, it did. It did its job perfectly fine. You know, it's kind of like a coward, but it, it still did the job. Um, and then eventually Bo-Katan saves uh, Mando. They end up going down. Uh, she ends up taking him to where he wants to go. Um, he goes in for a dip. He goes in the water. Basically, uh, it's not explained if he's pulled in or if he just kind of fell down. Yeah, everybody said the beast that's in the water that they see that's like this mythical mythical giant animal that the rulers of Mandalore supposedly were able to tame is too big to have gotten up to the surface and grabbed him. 
Without any kind of Without water. Anybody noticing it. Or, yeah. So basically, everybody's kind of come to the conclusion that his ass fell off the edge because he couldn't see and just fucking, he's so heavy, he just plummeted straight down to the bottom uh, of this of this pit. And Bokutan had to basically use her jetpack and go down to the bottom and, and grab his ass and bring him back up. Yeah. Um, it's weird that he fell and wouldn't, like, you know, use his jetpack to get back up or that he was, like, unconscious, unable to move. Yeah. Um, so something pulled him. We don't know what it was, but people are kind of like, yeah, he just fell. (laughs) Um, but basically where they're at now, because that's the episodes where, uh, she pulls him out of the water. He's basically bathed in the in the pools of Mandalore. He should now be redeemed. He's a Mandalorian again. It's just a matter of like, how is he going to prove it? It's like, you should need a little TikTok, you know, a little selfie, a little something, you know, have a paint cave painter or something like something like how are we, how do you prove do you just like bring a bag of water with you that isn't explained like how it's proven so we'll see where it goes on from that. but now that this is done i thought the majority of the season would be him, him dealing with conflicts on mandalore to try and get to this spot so he could do this yeah, or him trying to get to mandalore yes yeah, and then when he finally gets there you know the more feats of trying to get to the pools and it's like nope simple easy land go yeah, the Boom. only plots that are left open is Bo-Katan and her lost army, mm-hmm. who are just basically all, got, all gone off to be mercenaries since they have no cause to fight for, which they can be, basically never be mentioned again, it wouldn't matter. And some really, really silly, stupid space pirate that literally had to say, Avas, me, Macy, basically. To know that, that he is a space pirate. Um, that want to go after Mando because Carl Weathers and them uh, shot down half his men when they thought it was still like you know an outlaw town and it's now become a respectable town um they have an issue with mando because he shut down some shit that, that attacked him first so that's they're probably gonna track him down that's probably gonna be the rest of the season so i'll just see where the story goes unless they introduce some new threat but what we thought was going to be a, a long journey of them finding mandalore or dealing with conflict on mandalore or dealing with some secret project that's happening there that's out of the question now it's going to be him and groku Dealing with something else, and we'll have to see what that is. Yeah, um, but it's still a fun show. Um, I think the first two seasons probably are the best so mm-hmm. far. Um, and this is like all TV shows and characters. Like you get really good stories out of the beginning, and then there's going to be stuff that's like, all right, what's going on here? This is getting kind of weird or whatnot. And Disney's going to make it as sellable as possible to where maybe the first season of Mandal- of Mandalorian and season two. We're focused around the story of him and Groku. And being a more gritty story, I can start seeing things, especially with how Book of Boba Fett went, becoming more lighthearted because they're going to want to start merchandising stuff and selling characters, which, depending on your opinion, has ruined things or will make things better. I don't know. I feel like the techno-colored Vespas that the kids were driving in Book of Boba Fett were pretty silly and didn't really fit the universe that they were in. And that was said to be a decision made by Hyros that, hey, we can sell this, so let's make these toys. <laughs> Versus, hey, let's just tell a cool story, and then you sell the toys after the story's been told. Exactly. Not, let's figure out what we can put in it to sell it. Um, we don't want this to turn into, like, you know, He-Man or Thundercats in the 80s, which was cartoons built just to sell toys. Yeah. Not a story to be told. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we'll see where that goes from there. Um other news this week is, at least in the game world, is what uh, Wulong Dyna- uh, Fallen Dynasty finally came out on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. 
You've been playing that. Ben. Played a little bit of that. Um, I will say that this is a game for, I would think, for people who like Sekiro, who are like from software games, who are, are discouraged no, playing, <laughs> are discouraged from playing it or can't get through them because those games are too hard to play. This is a much easier game to play, but I feel like it's not as well designed as like Elden Ring is. Mm. Where Elden Ring is a really hard from, from software game. It has the same difficulty as Sekiro or... Uh, Dark Souls or any from software game, but because it's open world and if you run into something that's difficult, you can just go somewhere else and do something else to bide your time until you're strong enough to fight and not feel like you're grinding. Wulong has very linear levels that have very linear paths to go with with maybe out uh, out branching alcoves for stuff, but you'll find yourself having to grind to get a power, get a specific stat up high enough so that you can have a decent chance against the boss. When I found that, <clears throat> I got to the second boss of the game, probably which would really be the very first boss you have to fight from beginning to end, I had to grind in order to become strong enough to fight that boss without getting one-shotted on it. Yeah. That's not good game design when your second boss of the game is frustrating enough to where I have to run laps in this level before I can actually go to the boss. And it's not like... You're running laps and you're leveling up your character. You have to actually level up a morale stat that disappears when you die. It gets reset yeah. to, it gets reset to a level that you can raise that level as you go through the linear level planting flags. Every time you plant a flag, you raise that level up uh, every, every few levels. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you don't always start from level one when you die. You might start from like level eight and you have to get to level ten or higher to be equal to the boss. But you still have to run that gauntlet to get higher. So you take less damage so that you can actually beat the boss. So the gameplay loop here is then play through a linear level, uh, plant as many flags as you can, get to the boss and find out are you a high enough level to just go in there and fight or do you need to run laps to grind and then fight the boss. Um, which makes it very much almost like a boss rush where it's like, where I need to get to the boss. Can I beat the boss? No, all right, I need to go and run laps in this level until I can beat the boss. Which isn't fun for me, so I mean, I'm probably not going to finish this game. Um, The art design of it is decent. It's not as good as From Software's art design or as creative. Um, Because it's like half From Software and then half Dynasty Warriors, which Dynasty Warriors has a very, like, plastically look to their characters. Yeah. But their character design is better than Elden Ring, I feel like. Because Elden Mm -hmm. Ring still has, like, the Dark Souls thing where your character looks like a like a clay model that you kind of made to look like what you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't really matter because it's just be obstructed by armor and shit anyway while you play. Yeah, you're never going to see that face ever again. <laughs> Where here, you can actually see the face of your character. You can see the detail. There's lots of cutscenes with your character <clears throat> where they focus on uh, the faces and whatnot. So it's worth, you know, not having the hide helm feature on and not seeing it, um, which makes it a little bit more... You know, digestible uh, cinematic-wise. Yeah. Whereas <clears throat> from software, maybe not, maybe not so much because the cutscenes are just people talking to your character. They don't actually cut to see close-ups to your character's faces or anything like that. Mm-hmm. When you get uh, information and story plot lines. Yeah. Um, other game that came out was uh, the Outer Worlds uh, Spatial Choice Edition. That's getting a lot of flack because for an upgraded edition that costs ten dollars if you've already previously owned the game, or I think almost sixty for brand new, Oof. because they're selling it with all the DLC and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does come with a level uh, level bump 
cap bump, but um, it does not run smoothly in 60 frames per second um, like it's supposed to. Um, and the lock 30 doesn't look as good as the original game either. So the lighting is definitely better um, and and has a better look, but it doesn't run super smooth. Hopefully they patch some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people aren't very big fans of this edition, especially for the cost of what it is. Now yeah. for the $10 upgrade, might be fine. It's a completely separate version of the game, so technically you could go back to the original version if you want to and not play the Spacious Choice Edition. But I don't know if the level cap came with this edition or if it came with one of the DLCs. I don't recall the DLCs raising the level cap, but they specifically said level cap uh, upgrade with the Spacious Choice Edition. Okay. And then the only other thing is, uh, Courtney's been playing Hogwarts, and you're almost done with it, but what do you think so far? So far it's... Uh, pretty decent. Um, I wouldn't say it's game of the year by any means. I would say it's probably about a 7 out of 10. Especially with that damn map feature. And there's a lot of just like go collectibles. But at least it's kind of a fun go collectible type game. Yeah, there's been more reports of people kind of complaining that, hey... This isn't a great Hogwarts game. Because... When there's gl- glitches galore, like I can't go through certain doors, so I have to use the flume, uh, fast travel places. It's, and I don't know if it's because of the system I'm using or what, but it's that's annoying. That yeah, there's not workarounds. There's not not all doors are enterable. There's a lot of doors you can go you can go through that you would that most games that wouldn't let you. Um, but they're well, no, like the front door. I should be able to walk through it. I've seen you walk through it. And, like, I'll run up to it because my little guide path says, go through here. And I, it just won't give me the option to walk oh, yeah, through yeah, or hit X or okay. load or nothing. That's yeah, so on the Series S, it loads going through different areas where it doesn't on the Series X. Yeah. Like, the Series X has a loading icon for it. But there's literally on the Series S, you have to press a button and then wait for it to go to a loading screen to load you into the new areas. Yeah, sometimes it won't even prompt and, that. Yeah, and it, it should... For certain doors. Yeah. So the gameplay experience on the different console levels aren't the same, which wouldn't surprise me if it was like Xbox One or like past generations versus current gen. But Series S is technically current gen, and so it should be loading the same way as the Series X. I should be able to go through the same doors and not be like, oh, you have to go... To go outside, you have to select a little fast travel point to go there. Yeah, that's because I've taken, I've been on, I played on the Series S and I've been able to go out the front door but I had to hold a button to load into it. Yeah, I've had to do that a couple times but like, where that just, just disappeared. It just won't let me go through it and the little guy path's like, oh, go through the door. I'm like, fucking can't go through the door and then the map is awful. <laughs> yeah, the map is terrible in that game. They should have done something along the lines of the Marauders map just to be more lore likely and like something more interesting to look at and, and more useful. Um, but what I was getting at is that people are complaining that they can't role play as a student because there's no curfew and they can go everywhere they yeah. want. And <laughs> like, to me, that wasn't a big deal. It was like, yeah, okay. It's weird that like there's missions where there is a curfew and then you have to sneak around at night. But after you do those specific missions, which is literally only two missions in the game, after you do that, you can, you can go wherever you want. It doesn't matter what time of day or anything. Yeah. I wish there was like kind of a, more of a clock feature like that. So you have to be back in your dorm or you have like, oh, arrive here at 
during the day at this time. So you're like, okay, let me look the clock and go, you know, to my class at, you know, 9 a.m. or So you wish it was more of a school simulator than two? Yeah, because you're, they're like, oh, you're a student at Hogwarts. Well, then put me in a student position where I have to keep time and not be like, no, I'm just going to go and... Yeah, you know, apparently around and do nothing for like. Ever. Apparently, fifty years can just do whatever the fuck they want, however long they want, without any consequences, as long as they get their homework done. I guess so. That's that's literally what the game does. Is like, oh, you can show up to class whenever you want, but you 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 literally show up to classes so you can talk to the teacher to get uh, side assignments from them, or so that they'll send you a, a side assignment so that you will unlock spells. But those side assignments are like, just do this on the side whenever you have chance outside your normal schoolwork. Like, you don't have normal schoolwork, so it's just do whatever the fuck you want until you decide to go to class one day. Yeah. Um, it's run more like a, like a state college than it is a boarding school. Yes. Um, so I can see that some people complain about that. I mean, for the story they're trying to tell, I can see why they don't, um, why they didn't care about uh, about that. But uh, we'll see. I don't know if they're, they're going to come up with any more content for this game. Or it's the War Brothers best-selling game. Um, but the, I don't mm-hmm. know if they're going to feel like it's worth the controversy. Um, but that's it basically for this week. Um, right. we'll catch you guys next time. Uh, uh, there's some more games coming out in a couple weeks and some, and, and, movies. and movies. We can talk about, uh, Fableman next time. Yeah. Well, we watch the Fableman, so we can talk about that next time. And then, uh, I think John Wick is coming out here soon. We'll probably go see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Seafood's going to land for Xbox here soon. And I think the Resident 4 remake is coming out here soon, too. So we got a few things to talk about in the future, but we'll have to wait for those things to come to pass. I uh, will catch you guys next time. So thank you for listening. And uh, please be sure to subscribe and download. Thank you. Bye.